0: Hi, it's Jessica Steinberg, and I'm going to be your host for this week's podcast episode of What Matters Now. In honor of the holiday of Purim, which took place this week, we opted for something a little lighter, a chat with Joel Chasnoff and Benji Lovett, the comic authors of Israel 201 Next Level Guide to the Magic, Mystery, and Chaos of Life in the Holy Land. These two are well-known comics, educators, and speakers in the Jewish world telling their tales of the ironies of life in Israel, the wonders, and the frustrations. The book just came out, and it was written to Mark Israel's upcoming 75th, which they took as an opportunity to examine daily life in Israel and what matters now.
1: Living here, we can appreciate what it means to actually be on the inside. And yet, by virtue of the fact that we're both raised in America and Americans, we are still fascinated with the country in a way that maybe Israelis who were born here and lived here their entire lives might not be because it's just normal for them.
0: Those are not simple matters right now, given the drama's unfolding every day, more so than usual. Israelis are feeling concerned and worried, and it was a Purim that challenged but also offered a much-needed break from the tension. And sometimes you just need a fresh set of voices to help reflect on the situation at hand.
2: I feel like a successful immigrant on three occasions. One, (laughs) when I go back to the States. Two, when I meet an Ola a like someone newer than me, and three, when I make Israelis laugh.
0: Let's hear what Joel and Benji have to say about their book, Israel, and what matters now. Do you or your clients have a commercial collection matter that's going nowhere? The Sarachuk Law Firm specializes in the most challenging collection matters, whether it is a single matter or a portfolio of cases. They are based in New York with relationships around the world. Sarachek's proprietary databases and tried and proven methods have earned them an unmatched reputation for success in getting their clients what they're owed. They work on a contingency fee basis, so they're only compensated when they succeed. The Sarachek Law Team strongly supports Israel. You can reach the Sarachek team at www.saracheklawfirm.com. That's S A R A C H E K law firm dot com or at six four six four oh three nine seven seven five. The proceeding is an attorney advertisement, and past results are no guarantee of future performance.
1: Hello. Hello, Jessica, and thank you for pumping the audience up with that really happy intro at the end about everything going on. But no, we're psyched to be here. Hi, Jessica.
0: Hi, Benji. Well, this is a podcast called What Matters Now, and we do really look closely at the headlines. And even though you write, I believe, in the intro of the book that you don't want to deal with certain subjects too deeply because, man, those are complicated subjects. They're there in your book, and we're going to talk more about that in a moment. So you are two expats, or Anglos, as we call ourselves here in Israel, English-speaking Israelis. Joel, you are from Chicago, served in the Army, married an Israeli, went back to the U.S., and then moved here in 2016 with your family. Benji, you're from Texas and came here in 2006, and you have both, therefore, put in your time as American Israelis. And yet, as we all know, we are all still in this room, Anglos. Uh, full-fledged Israelis. And then sometimes, you know, you have that person who says to you, how many years have you been here? You've been here how many? I've been here many, many more. So that makes it both harder and easier when writing a book about Israel, don't you
2: think? Well, we wrote in the intro, I think, Joel, maybe you came up with these words that were both insiders and outsiders. And, you know, you talk about American-Israeli and people always ask, are you American-Israeli, Israeli-American? Like, I always say, when I'm here, I feel American, but when I'm there, I feel Israeli. Mm -hmm. So we're able to sort of straddle the boundaries, and, you know, we know how to translate this country for people not here. We know how to speak to people and the language they understand. So it's, uh, it's...
1: I think also furthering on that, what Benji said, is that by living here, we can appreciate what it means to actually be on the inside, and yet By virtue of the fact that we're both raised in America and Americans, we are still fascinated with the country in a way that maybe Israelis who were born here and lived here their entire lives might not be because it's just normal for them. We're still kind of fascinated by all the magical things, but also the Mishigas of this country. And we try to communicate that in the book.
0: And fascination can be a good thing, especially as you say, when you're writing a book. So. Distill for me, each of you, what you really wanted in this book. We I mentioned the 75th birthday, but of course, books live hopefully far longer uh, than just one particular event, during one particular event. So, Joel, you wanna?
1: Sure. I mean, my original goal for this book was to show people the Israel that they never get to hear about and won't see. Certainly not in the news. It's not in the headlines. But also even if they're on the trip uh, on a visit for two weeks for six weeks or even a year these are things that won't be on the itinerary we wanted to go into all the tiny pockets of israeli life all the elements of life here that make it both magical and wonderful but also chaotic we wanted to be fair and nuanced not just serve up uh, a sanitized version and our premise was that the more people know the good and the bad the more connected they'll feel to the country and we wanted to communicate you know the special connection that both benji and I have, despite how hard it can sometimes be to live here.
0: And Benji, this is your first book, right, Joel? It's Joel's fourth; your first.
1: I've read a few books, but yes, the first <laughs>
2: one usually with pictures. But this is my first book, yes. So it's interesting. It sort of evolved a bit. At first, we thought, "What are we going to put in this? Is it going to be like a Lonely Planet with everything you need to know?" And then we realize, "No, we don't want that." But we wanted to offer things that interested us. You know, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan, so I. The more I read about this famous 1977 game between Maccabi Tel Aviv and the big, great Russian basketball team, I I, I thought, uh, this is incredible. Like, I'd heard a little bit about the story, if you know Tal Brody and the big, uh, you know. Sure. The, um But feel free to say a little bit more for those who don't. Yeah, so it, the best way to translate it, speaking of translating for a non-Israeli audience, the, the miracle on ice is, if you're an American sports fan, the great 1980. Lake Placid Olympic hockey game, it was turned into a Disney movie called Miracle. It's about this uh this ragtag group of of college kids who somehow beat the the great Russian professional army. It's incredible. So we have our own version. And again, this is the height of the Cold War, and there are fusniks in Russia not able to leave. So um we talked to Alcee Perry, who was not even the, the biggest star, but um, you know, if, if it's an unknown story, it's even more unknown. Right. Because he was an African-American non-Jewish player who came here because he wanted to get to on the play. court. And uh, he helped lead us to a victory. And, um, you know, so this is a story, I, I never would have thought to put it in the book beforehand, but when we thought about, like, what do we, what excites us and what do we think will be interesting for people to know about? You know, we've lived here for a, a bunch of years combined. Most immigrants, I think, don't know this story, you know, right. either because for a variety of reasons. We're also It's old. It was... Forty-five years ago. Yeah. So, um, you know, things like why was this game so famous? How did Kavera get to be the the biggest Israeli band? Why is this movie so popular? It's a little, a lot of little taste of different parts of Israeli culture that people just wouldn't know about.
0: But as a reporter, I very much appreciated just the solid number of interviews, the research that you guys did there, is the reading that you did. There's, I imagine, other, you know, whether it's books or studies. And then you went out and you found the people who could talk to you about the subjects that you wanted to include. We spoke about this a little bit in the written interview that that we did that we conducted, the three of us. but I found it it made the reading actually much more gripping in a sense because it was there's there's the funny and there's the light and there's the 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 knowledge that you two bring to the subjects, but there's also just reaching out to these other people talk a little bit about that what made you decide to go to br- to go into the interview process to bring in other voices and what was it like
1: this is joel from the beginning we didn't want this just to be a book about joel and benji's take on israeli life not that that wouldn't be entertaining but we wanted it to have a little more meat than that i think the original intention was to find a few experts we could talk to for the subjects we didn't know much about just to maybe get a few quotes and flesh it out a bit. But the deeper we got into the book, we realized this is really a good thing. And also the people are happy to talk to us. We didn't have to beg anyone for an interview. People were very willing. And one of the best parts about the book for both of us was talking with these figures from Israeli history, whether it's Yael Arad or Avi Sakharov, or people who aren't known, but who will hold very important roles in Israel. And we sort of reached a point where the number of chapters with an expert, there was just no way we could have the rest of them without one. And so we just decided every chapter, we have to go to at least somebody. And I'm glad that you felt it, uh, fleshed it out and added something because that was definitely one of our goals. Yeah, I give, uh, this is also Joel. No, this is Benji. I also give, <laughs> I give Joel credit for that. I,
2: I thought it was going to come out of our heads. I mean, the first thing that we wrote, it was the thing that uh, I'm obsessed with cultural differences. Or why do Israelis do this and that? That's where I've always found the most um, interesting content. And I feel like I have enough stories and insights. And it was Joel's idea to have these authorities. And the deeper we got into the book, the the more it um it became fun. I mean, it was a blast to interview these people. I think every time I interviewed someone over Zoom, you know, my jaw would drop. Uh, and it became fun, even just to to be able to go to to friends. You know, I think we each have friends who we interviewed who are authorities on things, just be able to to um, get the greatest expertise out of people we know, it um, you know it made every uh, every section that much deeper.
1: I want to point out that not everyone we interviewed was famous, uh, right. and Benji sort of alluded to this, but one of my favorite interviews was Daniel Alkobi. He runs something called Kosher Kraví, which is fitness training for 16 and 17-year-old Israelis who want to be in high-level combat units in mm-hmm. the IDF. These are both men and women who, in high school, the same way Americans might take Princeton Review courses... Back when there were SATs, uh, they do physical <laughs> training and also mental training, and just talking with him. This is a guy you would never otherwise hear about, but to get that insight into all these teenagers dreaming of being in the most elite units, what they have to go through, uh, I, I didn't know about this before. Aside from seeing in, him, them in the park, I didn't know about this before oh, I that's talked how to you him. Found out about that's him? why I was in the park with my kid and saw this going <laughs> on. But I think also uh, people outside of Israel would have no idea unless they're really tapped in that this kind of phenomenon exists. I think uh, one of the ways I know a lot of this book is special is I didn't do the Army. So much of this was new for me. I mean,
2: I think we, we, you know, we learned from conducting our own research in chapters, but then when we got to read the others, you know, each respective chapter, because sure. we, we each, you know, split the content, I learned a lot about the Army. So that was fascinating for me. So it's right. like got, I got to sort of experience the book in two ways. One, diving deep into some of the topics myself, and then getting to experience some
1: of them through Joel's research. Wow, Benji, I'm really glad. I learned a lot from you. that's why I want to do the Army starting tomorrow. (laughs) I'm sure they want you. That's that's what they need. (laughs) Wait.
0: Okay. Now, I know that you had an exhaustive list at the outset, but talk to me a little bit about how you did make some decisions. And and I want to touch on something else before you answer that, which is that you state in the intro that by the time the book reaches readers' hands, some things will have changed, like the government. So you're up to date... um, in terms of Netanyahu's new government and the coalition that is wreaking havoc right now, um, as well as last summer's Roe versus Wade controversy and how that affected Israel. But, you know, now here we are in February 2023. So talk about how you chose the subjects and how you could say, I'm not going to deal with those certain subjects.
2: One quick thing before I let Joel answer that. What... It is amazing. The book is so up to date that it, it, we couldn't help have certain thi- things uh, change. One uh, of we have a, a section on Kaveret, and one of the members of Kaveret has passed away since you right. wrote the book. If you recall, at the end we say they're all still alive, and you know they're nice Jewish boys. So one of them was it Klepter? Is that it? yes? So yes. one little thing. Uh, go ahead, Joel.
1: It's the big things like government or. Sadly, some people passing away, but even language, there's a section in the book on the Hebrew language and even the words that are really hip and current right now in a year or two, there might be different slang words that have replaced them. And so that we have a section called, sorry, if this is wrong in the (laughs) beginning, just to say like a lot of this, because Israel is such a fluid country where so many things change and fluctuate, uh, there could be things that have that have changed by the time readers uh, actually open the book.
0: Interesting. Okay, so then, but while you make it clear, and I am getting into the what matters now headlines part of our interview, uh, while you do make it clear that you're not about to really dive into the occupation, Israeli settlements, big issues of religion and state, and these are really issues that we are dealing with front and center right now, you do, though, sort of through the back end, right? You have your research about Aravrit, the uh, Arabic and Hebrew font. Benji, you wrote that one. Uh, Joel, you have the section about the Druze high school that has one that is number is the number one high school in Israel, I believe, for matriculation
1: for many years running.
0: For many years running. So was that before you talk about those specific subjects? Was that essentially your way of back sort of like backing into some of these issues in Israeli life or not?
2: Well. We knew we couldn't exclude twenty percent of the population. Um we're Jewish. Do you know that do our readers know that we're Jewish? Joel? Let's let's put it out there. Um but 20%, twenty percent of 25 percent of the country is not Jewish and is and is Arab. Um we just didn't know how to do it. We knew we didn't want mm-hmm. to get into who did what to who first. And it, that is a no-win situation. But we thought, how can we address these people? So we did profiles of, you know, we have a profile of an Arab-Israeli stand-up comedian. That's interesting. I mean, comedy and what can you say and where's the line? That's interesting anyway. And for you guys especially. Yeah. So um, we knew we wanted to be inclusive. We just didn't know how to do it. And that took some time. So it's not about who did what and, and playing a blame game. It's about let's showcase a big part of this
1: country. And it also, it wasn't to be token and say, well, we should, we owe them. We, It was genuinely, if you want to understand Israel today, you absolutely have to understand the 20% of the population that isn't Jewish. And even if you're a tourist and you go into a pharmacy and get a prescription because you're not feeling well, there's a good chance the pharmacist serving you will be Arab. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Uh, that's a question that fascinated us and Benji explored it. And we have a chapter on, it's called My Son, the jewish and that's crossed out muslim doctor because so many arabs these days are seeing uh medicine as a path uh, a career path for them the point being that it's not just uh to you know a token to make uh, to feel good to really understand the country we need to understand everyone who's living here and exploring uh, the high school and medicine and all these other avenues was the way that we chose to do it Shalom, dear listeners. This
2: is Daniil Hartman. And I'm Yossi Klein-Halevi. Together we host the podcast For Heaven's Sake from the Shalom Hartman Institute. These have been some of the most challenging days for me personally, for Israel, and for the Jewish people. And one of the ways in which I've gotten through this is that I've found solace and meaning through discussions with my dear friend and study partner, Daniil Hartman. And I hope that the Times of Israel listeners will join us as we continue to tackle the pressing questions facing the Jewish people here at For Heaven's Sake, which has become the number one Judaism podcast. Well, Daniel, I'd also like to recommend the Identity Crisis podcast hosted by our colleague and friend Yehuda Kurtzer. It's a series of fantastic conversations with leading figures in Jewish life, thought, and culture. You know, for decades, the Hartman Institute has been a preeminent destination for Jewish ideas and learning. Now you can access Hartman Ideas on these chart-topping podcasts at shalomhartman.org forward slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll privilege to help guide you through these challenging and even unsettling times.
0: You worked on this for how many years? About four during the pandemic, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, it started before the pandemic, but then
2: Yeah, really in the last couple of years it really picked up. I mean the I think you approached me about four years ago. Okay.
0: So I guess first question then on this little area of interest is what changed from when you started to when you really you fifty won't... more elections. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then therefore how did that affect your topics? Did it affect your topics? Did did the roiling Aspects of life here in Israel, pandemic, so many elections. Did any of that affect your choices of topics and where you were going with it?
1: I think in minor ways, it may have. The pandemic certainly getting our vaccinations from uh, Arab nurses Mm. made us sort of appreciate their role in our society and then helping uh, Israelis, and I mean all Israelis, Uh, feel better at the same time we didn't i don't think uh, election turmoil dictated that we're going to drop one issue but explore another sure Uh, we did want to show readers what some of these hot button issues are like in israel so for example gun control capital punishment Mm. um we wanted to explore you know what do israelis say about abortion so we have a chapter on hot button issues just because it's so talked about in the u.s what do israelis say about it but Benji, do you want to answer? No, there, was there any topic really. that I'm, we dropped or added specifically no, because
2: of religion
0: current events? And state. I'm curious how Nothing you, really changed that, changed that great.
2: Nothing really changed in 24, 36 months. You know, Israelis are like this. Americans are like this. What's chutzpah? These are things that have, have been part of the country forever. And we—I think because we both come at this from like a—we both come from Jewish summer camp and this education background. We wanted to be exhaustive. You know, we made our huge list and different criteria. We want something things big, something small— about demographics and language and culture and this and that so that stuff is going to be the same anyway Nothing but you asked jessica
1: about uh judaism and state I yeah mean, this is an eternal question this is a question that the country's been dealing with since before it was even founded so right now it's maybe coming to a boil but this has been i think the central question that israel has had to face and will continue to face in the future is just what does it mean to have is this a state for jews or a jewish state that's something we've always been grappling with and what's new is we've always seen it from the perspective of how much Judaism should there be. But we have a, one chapter that came that we didn't expect was a chapter on, is there enough Judaism? There are some mm. uh, what you'd call modern orthodox Kipasruga people who feel there's not enough protection for them, that traffic could be quieter on Shabbat, that sports teams should have leagues for religious kids so they don't have to play in tournaments on right. Friday nights and Saturdays. So that was a new chapter that came about from our exploring.
0: And now as you're heading out on this roadshow in the States, North America?
1: Yeah, Canada and the U.S.
0: Sure. You're going to be asked questions by audiences, by your audiences, whether they're community centers or Jewish federations or synagogues. You guys are going to be the representatives in a sense of that weekend or that week in that community of what they're seeing or hearing or getting a glimpse of when they catch the news, when they look online and look at the headlines of the day. What are your thoughts about it? How do you think you're going to be approaching it?
2: I will say, if someone here asked me, if one of my fellow Israeli friends asked me, that would be a hard question for me to answer. I'd send them to the Times of Israel. (laughs) But- if I ever get questions in America about politics, it doesn't phase me because mm. I know they're asking me not because they believe I'm a political expert, but because my word means something because I live here. You know, people always say, what's What's the word over there? You know, after a certain American election, I'll say, what are people saying over there? Right. As if you could encapsulate what everybody's saying. But if you're not here, there's a sensitivity, like there's something missing. You're not walking around every day getting the nuances. So I think just helping people understand like it's complicated you know there's two sides it's just about everything and what people are saying and you know but to play devil's advocate i think just the fact that we live here
1: that gives us credibility yeah uh, and that's what people want to hear i think a lot of the communities we are going to uh, are going to ask questions and many of them will be sort of skewing on the left liberal side and might not understand why things are happening right now and i don't i don't want to give them my opinion but i do want to explain to them why People here vote the way they do, and why so many people do support Ben Gvir, and what factors those in the U.S. or Canada might not be considering when looking at this whole government and election picture. Just to give them a little more nuance and context, and uh, show them how how much more complicated it is. But at the same time, the whole point of the book and of this comedy tour we're going on called Israel '75 Live is to show them that there is way more to Israel than just what you see in the news and way more to Israel than just all the chaos that's happening right now. That the people on the ground day to day, for the most part, life is continuing and pursuing really, uh, pursuing amazing pursuits and making the country great and trying to improve those aspects that need improving and that the sky is not falling and to remind them that Israel is still here uh, despite the chaos that's unfolding.
0: Uh, Joel, I wanna go back to something that you said. You said that you will not give them your opinion. I want to I will give them
2: Joel's. He will give them mine.
0: I mean, I, <laughs> but seriously, how are you going to get through? Let's say you have a weekend at a synagogue in Poughkeepsie um, or wherever, you, and you're someone who has done this before. Right? Do you actually go out on the road and never, over the course of many events in one place, not give your opinion, and why? I
1: think on the record, I wouldn't say this is right, this is wrong. I think if people spend a weekend with me teaching, I think they'll pick up on my opinion and they'll yeah. see where I'm coming from. Right. Even by reading the book, I think it's pretty, you know, it's sort of a hinted at. But what I don't want to do is come in and say, this is definitely the way it should be. This is definitely wrong. There, I I would like them to understand that there are many factors that go into, um That influence how the people vote here and how people think they're not all security oriented. A lot of it is economic, which doesn't get talked about enough. Mm -hmm. There are class and social issues. The army plays a role. And just sort of instead of saying, here's what's right and wrong, saying, hey, here are some things you should think about before deciding even for yourselves. And uh, we have we developed a game called uh, if, you Will, if You Will It, Then What, where people are going to sort through cards and rank their values in order. And our whole point of this game is to get people thinking about how complicated it is to build a Jewish state that's both democratic and Jewish. Uh, some things have to be sacrificed along the way, and just to make them appreciate the complication.
0: So you guys really are educators.
1: We really are.
0: Huh. And did you make up this, I'm just curious, did you make up this game before the whole judicial reform issue was coming to a head or during?
1: About a few months ago, we started discussing, well, we're going to do these live programs. We do not want to just give lectures, so we need to find some ways to keep it interactive and more like a workshop. Right. And we started developing that game even before, and now it's become even more relevant, and we've switched out some of the values, some of the cards that people are going to play with just because it's become more salient with everything happening now.
0: I mean, you could literally do a judicial reform, you could do a judicial reform game. Just yeah, about that sounds like a blast.
1: <laughs> wow, can
2: <that's, laughs> <should laughs> we do it now? Can we just scrap the podcast and Copyright now? that idea. <laughs> okay,
0: I said it first. You're but, right. Okay, fine. Okay, um, back to maybe some slightly lighter topics. I know that you had this exhaustive list. You did not get everything in. You have said to me that there's plenty for a third book. What are some of the topics that you loved that we didn't actually have a make Patreon
2: for $10,000. You can see the <laughs> list and contribute.
0: Um yeah, so some of the topics are there I know there was beaches perhaps.
2: Yeah, there was beaches, you know, in Tel Aviv we have the dog beach next to the religious beach next to the gay beach. I mean I think when we're talking about being exhaustive we have, you know, we have Arab communities. We would have loved to profiled Ethiopian communities and, you know, for about a week near the end of the book I was looking for someone who had done the trek from from Ethiopia to here. But oh, wow. Well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, to interview them, what a story that would be. You know, uh, have you been to Ahziv land? Yeah, crazy. It's like country within a country. Yes. You know, we Run thought- Run by one person. Yeah, that could be a, I forget why we scrapped it. we, we I think we thought for our next book, we'll do that. But, um, you know, there's no shortage of interesting things here, both big and small.
1: And from my area of interest, uh, just cultural arts and culture. I was sad that we didn't interview any novelists uh mm. non-fiction writers dancers painters i mean there's so much more in the arts that podcasters we didn't, right that we didn't explore <laughs> no seriously and it really at some point came down to balancing the content a timeline uh those outside uh, obstacles that sort of just force you to move forward in the direction you're headed
0: you know sometimes you start out with a, a project a book an article Whatever, whatever it is and you you think it's going in one direction and then it just turns on you goes in other directions that you'd anticipate and you have to kind of go with it because that's just where it's going did that happen here in any sense did it is it following through the trajectory that you Anticipated?
1: There was never a hard reset where we scrapped it and started over, but Mm -hmm. it definitely took on a life of its own. Uh, Benji had the suggestion for having 75 topics to tie it into the 75th birthday, although we decided not to call it Israel 75 because we want the book to live on just past this year. Uh, Once we knew there were 75 topics, that definitely changed the trajectory of the writing because we knew that chapters were going to be short because there's 75 of them, but also that we need to find enough of these topics to to fill the book. But I think that was sort of the launch pad that sent us into the current iteration.
0: Talk to me about what happens now. The book is out. You are have a couple of these launches here in Israel, around the country, and then you're heading out for many months. No, you're not obviously going to be away for many months, but the two of you together and separately will be in different communities around North America working with your product, with your book?
1: Well, this actually loops back to a question you asked before. Uh, And on March 1st, we're beginning a three and a half month tour. It's called Israel 75 Live, going to synagogues, JCCs, Hillel's Federation, Chabad's. Anyone who wants to meet Israel on a deeper level. And often it's for an entire weekend with Benji and me together. So a Friday through a Sunday with a comedy show, of course, but also tech study on Torah and Neshek, which is Purity of Arms and Hebrew Hebrews Magic Session. There's a cooking session. And I think this is what loops back to the question you asked before. I think one of the reasons that many communities are interested in this is because they want to do Israel, specifically this year, the 75th, they mm-hmm. want to celebrate Israel, but they're not sure how with everything going on they don't want to anger anyone they're afraid of people being offended and here we gave this this menu of program options that shows you there's actually a way to do israel beyond maybe what you were thinking before and it freed them up to commemorate israel but still have some meaning and uh content uh that was true to what israel is going through
2: hmm interesting I like that. Yeah, on a smaller scale, I mean, I think, you know, this is, again, my first book, and Joel's done a few of these before, and every day we wake up and we say, holy cow, what are we going to do today? Uh, I mean, there's the sort of top-down approaching big organizations and seeing how we can get this to be a part of their educational curriculum. There's the bottom-up and just getting out and selling copies to individuals. We're going to 'er Beersheba tonight to to do a a show. So the sky's the limit sounds cliche, but there's simply so much to do, and I think we're realizing it's about the marathon, not the sprint. Mm. Uh, But we're excited, I think, just to see where it goes. And I think... You know, every day we wake up, and we have our our emails and people to talk to, and podcasts, which we're thrilled to do. And I think at some point it's going to take on a life of its own. It's going to start to snowball and and build. You know, all these little like if you're building a fire, these little sparks you light here and there. At some point, it just catches on its own. So I think we're excited for that. I hope that happens. Perhaps last question. In terms of your going back
0: to the beginning of our conversation, as Israeli Americans, American Israelis, Anglo's, whatever we are. Ah, uh, what are the reactions from your is is the Israeli the native Israeli people in your life? Do they say, "Great"? Do they say, "Why would you even touch this"? Uh, what what do they think, and and where does that put you as you head out onto this, Whenever- this journey?
1: Yeah, so whenever we've explained this book to Sabra, Native Israelis, they've thought it was a great idea and asked if it's being translated into Hebrew and cool. have readily admitted that some of these topics that we just rattle off for them are topics they themselves don't know much about, uh, but which they would like to. So I think there's interest there, and we are going to pursue a Hebrew version of it. It's sort of a different different animal that we need to look into the logistics, but hopefully that would happen. But right, they've,
0: not they've a been direct supported. translation in any no, way, shape, or form. No, it would have form. to be, right,
2: right, have to
1: fit the language they speak.
2: You know, I do hope someday to actually meet an Israeli. I think that, (laughs) uh, no, I think people are, no one's been surprised so far. I think people get that we've been here long enough that they say, wow, good job. My question will be, I can't wait for them to actually read it. Like, I will want to get their input. And, um, you know, I always say in the stand-up show, I, I joke that like, when an Israeli laughs, it's worth like 10 American laughs. Not because it's hard to make them laugh, but because it means more. It's, you know, oh, I more, made an insider More,
0: love. harder, more, more deeply earned in a sense.
2: Yeah, it's like, oh, you know, I get them. So uh, if an Israeli really likes the book, I'll say, wow, this, you know, it means even more, yeah, know, yeah. more in Yeah, I know way. what you mean. I it's like meaning, mean. making someone from not in your community.
0: Yeah. Like when respect. Israelis read one of my articles.
2: Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, voila.
0: <laughs> okay, and then, okay, here is my final question. So, Part of your weekend events include a comedy show. And what, what does that even sound like? Come on, give us give us some sound bites of the two of you so we have a sense of what the two of you are like together on stage. Because this has been a pretty serious conversation
2: or more solemn. Well, we won't be together on so You know, we're not going to do comedy <laughs> at the same time.
0: <laughs> Although that's an that'll idea. Yeah. Ca- that would be very fun.
2: That is true. Uh, it, people, Uh It's funny. Your people dog, have... Joel's kids. Yeah, yeah. He's been very quiet. I hope he's alive. The dog is not in the room right now. We, we don't know there what's happening to no him. There is no way he, that dog is not alive. He's very alive. Oy vavoy. Um, I think it'll be a blast. Like, um,
1: Tell listeners what your comedy is like.
2: So I, I'm proud to say that I think my comedy has gotten much less ole chadashi. You uh-huh. know, like I, when I watch videos, you know, like I used to do more stuff about like, oh, Israelis are rude. You know, these sort of, sort of shallow stereotypes. Like, there are always some stereotypes there, but you know what? I look back and I feel like I was more of an outsider and a complaining classic immigrant and now I like to make fun of myself like I still make fun of the Israelis but I make fun of the Americans I make fun of me yeah. and I like you know I like to sort of be an authority and te- you know we have a section in our book about nonverbal communication different hand gestures so I, like I love that ex- one. yeah I love explaining those and I love explaining them to people who don't live here because they're shocked so when I give them the- when I teach them how to give the finger like an Israeli in the middle of the show, people who get it really love it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, th- my favorite material is now sort of more Israeli stuff because it makes me feel like I'm, I'm an And authority. did you
0: develop material
2: based on the book? Are you developing material based on some of the topics, subjects? I'm sure we will. I, the other way, a lot of things I make jokes about, I want it like the, the hand gestures I wanted to put in the book because yeah, yeah. I, those mean a lot to me. Got it.
1: Joel? For me, the comedy is about trying to really build a life here, raise kids here, being married to a Sabra Israeli, And yet, hard as I tried, never being able to fully let go of my American roots. I don't know how long you've been here, Jessica.
0: He's wearing a shirt with with palm trees on it and very white sneakers. Exactly. (laughs) Uh,
1: Look, um, one hard thing for me is just speaking Hebrew with Israelis. My Hebrew, it's not fluent, but it's a pretty high level. But immediately, Israelis speaking to me in English because their English now is so good. And Netflix. And Netflix. And I think uh being an immigrant here you're always no matter how long you're here you're always going to straddle that line between being um being a civilian and a citizen i served in the army being a full-fledged israeli but also being just a little bit american or wherever you're from and it's that balance and that tightrope that i try to bring out in the comedy i do
0: and then obviously circling back to the book that is essentially what you're doing with the book right you know you're, you know, you're married to an Israeli, you're raising kids. Uh, Benji, you've been here for a long time at this point. You've even moved comedic topics from complaining to just being able to really look at it with uh, a much wider range and to be able to say, okay, we've got this information, we've got these topics, we've got these subjects, and we can bring it to the world out there because we're able to explain it
2: from both sides of the fence, really. Or, I don't know, both sides of the something. No, I think you said it. Like, you know, I, I joke that I feel like a successful immigrant on three occasions. One, <laughs> when I go back to the States. Two, when I meet an Ola Mamash Hadash, like someone newer than me. And three, when I make Israelis laugh on stage. Mm. Because then I'm like, like someone came up to me like five years ago. He's like, I'll probably say it wrong. What did he say? Like, achi, uh, ta mamash it says something like that. Like, uh, my brother, you really get us. And that meant... The world because like oh I've, you know, I've,
1: I've done it i think for me i want to communicate also that i still genuinely love this country i wouldn't be here if i didn't and even through the through the humor the jokes and certainly through the book and despite all the chaos going on uh, i want readers to walk away and audience members to walk away knowing that this is still a wonderful country with wonderful people in it and It rekindled my love for the country. There were a few hard years where I wanted to leave Israel right after we moved back. Mm -hmm. And uh, meeting all of the Israelis for the interviews and getting so in-depth into the history and the current events here, it really rekindled my love for the country. And I hope that comes through in both performance and the book itself.
0: I think it does. Thank you very much, Benji Levitt and Joel Chastanoff, for being with us on this episode of What Matters Now.
1: Jessica, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks to our engineer, Gilad Brownstein, and to my podcast partner, Amanda Borsheldan. If you have a comment for What Matters Now, write us at podcast at timesofisrael.com. And please subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Until next time, be well and take care.